What's up, guys? Welcome to the Got Next podcast. Uh, this week, the first round pretty much concluded. What a what a what a what a first round we had. Um, most headlined, obviously, by the defending champions getting eliminated by Phoenix. Ooh. Phoenix. How shocking was that? What what a what a gut like what a win by the by the Suns. I mean, obviously, the Lakers' big issue there was Anthony Help. Davis's injury. Um, but that doesn't take any, anything away from the Suns. Uh, but no before we talk about the Suns and the second round, I uh, wanna. I think we're gonna do an inside inside injuries. Uh, we had two big injuries to two key players in the first round. Uh, obviously, I just mentioned AD, mm-hmm. and obviously and Embiid as well missed game five of the game. Yeah, game five of the Wizards uh, Sixers series. Um, so yep. we're gonna start this week's episode with an insight. Inside injuries. Um, so Rafa, uh, take us away with about uh, 80s groin injury. I mean, he tried to go in game yes. six. Poor mobility. I mean, yeah. like what he lasted, what two, three minutes? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, I think he lasted like half a quarter. Half a quarter. Yeah. And he but, tried to go. He looked. He looked about like that 80 percent that I thought he might be. But anyway. Um, let's, no, but he stretched wanna, it one time, and like, what did Chris yeah. Haynes say? Is like the pain intensified <laughs> whenever yeah, he tried yeah. to do. Yeah, it, it, it was just clear he couldn't go. It was for not, sure, it, for sure. I um, mean, yeah, props them for trying though. But hundred percent, hundred percent. So um, take us away for sure. I think I want to start off with a larger conversation on injuries in general because there were some people who criticized, you know, Anthony Davis for being out there with the the groin injury and. You know, I, I totally get it from the athlete's perspective because, like, they're, they're putting their bodies on the line. And, you know, when they're given medical advice, things that they don't really know that much about, they put their trust in the, not, in the information that someone else gives them and things go south. It, you know, of course, they're going to point fingers. And um, so I, I get that. And I, I totally understand that. And I hope that the – I would hope that the culture has changed where it's not about as much about protecting the organization or protecting – a an asset it's more about seeing that player as a patient so when you talk about that the hope is that you involve them in the decision you give them as accurate information as possible but you let them be involved in the decision making process make sure that they understand the risks and benefits um, estimate the the amount of risk per per injury and you know help them make an informed decision because at the end of the day it's Anthony Davis's body. He, do, he does what he wants with it. Like if he wants to risk further injury playing, playing game six because that could be their last game and he has the right to do that. So I think two perfect case examples here are Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid. So we talk about Anthony Davis's groin. You know, it's same thing you grade sprains. There's a strain for muscles. It's just like it's kind of injured. Partial tear is grade two. Full tears grade three. And, you know, I think a lot of people gave flack for like him potentially um, making the injury worse or like being so yeah. compensated that he might hurt something else, which is a fair point. Um, the only counters I would say are let's say the worst case scenario is that the groin muscle strain becomes a full, full muscle tear. That's actually still not a surgical case. And, you know, he'd be out for a long time. Oh, okay. 
but it wouldn't jeopardize the next season. There's, there's no evidence that supports doing a surgical fixation. And even if you thought that could happen, the, the chances of a full muscle tear are so low. I mean, you saw how poorly he was moving. You think like he was going to be able to do anything that could have made that injury that bad. There's no doubt that he could have made it worse. I'm not saying that. But I think the, the larger conversation with the groin strain is if you, if you play this game, you might make it worse. And if the Lakers end up advancing, you may not be available for those, for those games. That was a more of, a, of the risk and stuff that you should have been pointing out. Because if AD makes the injury worse, he's not jeopardizing his career. And he's yeah. not even jeopardizing um, next season, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, at least for, for me as a Lakers fan, um, I, I'm glad he gave it a go. I mean, mm-hmm. what choice do you have when you're like a season on the line and it's a must-win situation and you're trying to defend your championship? Um, and they were, they, they actually, he, when he was, at, when, he, when the game started, they had really good defensive possessions uh, with him yeah. on the floor and then just yeah. kind of went to shit, obviously, when, yeah. when he went out. Right. But, um, but it was clear, like, from the, it was, but it was pretty clear, like, from the way he was moving and his, like, grimaces, like, in what, he didn't have full mobility. Um, right. But kudos to him for still going for it. And for sure, as, for sure. Based on what you were, what, based on what we were, our conversation during the game, or prior to the game, you were saying that there's no, like, huge risk for, like, no. long-term injury or, like, injuring, like, uh, like a Achilles or ACL or something. So no. I so thought that's why it was a, it's an okay for him to go for it. Exactly. There, now, if it was his calf giving him troubles, then maybe that's a different conversation because if you tear your Achilles, that, that's, what, that's the next season that's gone. He, no Anthony Davis for one season. And for the rest of the playoffs, that's, those are huge implications. Now, yeah. the implications of a further groin strain would mean he may not be available or 100% for the rest of the playoffs. So that's what I feel like should have been more weighted than other stuff. You know, I guess, I guess yeah, you're going to juxtapose that against like either KD's from 2019 where he was hurt his calf and then yeah. um, Embiid's meniscus, which could lead to other like knee injuries, right? Well, yeah. So this is the, the difference between Anthony Davis's and Joel Embiid's injury. Like his muscle injury, like his, because his muscles are so tight and like they're not going to let him move, you could maybe argue that he'll get an injury from compensation, but he's, like, his groin is going to limit him so much. Like, I don't know if that's really going to happen. There's not necessarily any um, evidence that would support that the groin injury is going to cause something else. Anthony Davis is going to be self-limited by that. So I wasn't worried about it. It's Embiid's that I might be a little more worried about, and that's why I would be more... If I was, make, if I was informing either of these guys of these decisions... I personally would let Anthony Davis give it a shot. And if he couldn't go, then he couldn't go. Embiid, I would be much more conservative mm. with. Because they say on an MRI, there's a small tear, but you can definitely play with a small meniscus tear. You know? And if you manage the symptoms, as long as he doesn't have swelling, mechanical symptoms like popping or clicking, or he probably wouldn't have instability, but something to look out for, the instability and minimal pain, you can let him go, but you got to be careful. Because a small tear can become a big tear, which would result in a yep. surgery. And, you know, quick plug to the article that I wrote about James Wiseman. If you want more information on meniscus injuries, we'll, let's put it in the, in the description box for, uh, 
for this for this podcast. Um, but you know, I think the yep. the the perception here is that medical staff makes decisions for the athletes. I would hope that that's not the case anymore. I hope that it's Embiid making the decision. He should understand that there's a chance that the meniscus can get worse, and if it's bad enough, then you jeopardize next season. Yeah. That's some, you um, know what I mean? I guess, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I mean, from the athlete's point of view, right, you, it's, you really want to compete, so you sure. really get it from, the, from AD's point of view. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we got, like, if he did it, if he could have been, like, worst case, would have been, like, a Willis Reed kind of situation where it yeah. inspired the team to, to, a, to a win. But, I mean, that, did, that didn't happen. But that's, that's right, what, that's, right. that was the potential there as well, right? Right. So, um, a quick update on Embiid. I think John Clark from NBCS, um, he updated, um, Doc Rivers doesn't know if Embiid will play in game one. But he did participate in light shooting drills in practice yesterday. So that's a good sign that Joel Embiid is practicing because that means, okay, maybe he has minimal symptoms. I think another thing we have to keep in mind too, uh, MRI isn't foolproof. You know, maybe mm. it could be a false positive or, you know, maybe he had the meniscus tear before and now that maybe he's having knee pain, the assumption is that it's the meniscus that's hurting him, but maybe he just flared something up from his fall you, you don't know i'm not saying that the the tear isn't the thing that's causing the, his pain you know i i don't have his images i don't i didn't get to examine Embiid's knee so i don't know but i just hope that if Embiid is going to play in the playoffs he understands the risk and if he's willing to put his body through the risk and the tear is small enough and in a location that heals that's another that's another factor to take into account here. There's part of the meniscus that has blood, so it can heal. Yeah. You know, so if there's that chance, then, you know, maybe he's more willing to risk it. But it, 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 really, it really just depends. There's no right answer. Only the real, only real person who knows somewhat what the answer should be is Joel. He should, make, he should be in charge of his body. Yeah, you know? I mean, Joel, it's going to be Joel's... Uh choice at the end of the at the end of the day and mm-hmm. but i think the, the sixers with him help with him there have a shot at championship so yeah i would assume he's gonna try to play for sure and it's especially with the lakers out there's Whew. it's pretty much like brooklyn's the favorite so like that's yeah it's pretty open so i think he, i think if he if he's healthy enough he should go yeah <laughs> especially for, from a sixers fan right for sure uh, and we'll talk about Philly in a second, but uh, any last questions before we uh, move on here? Uh, nope. Um, yeah, let's move on to the last first round series that's still ongoing: Clippers, uh-huh. Dallas, Clippers, Mavs. With yes, that game six last night was pretty pretty great. Actually, this whole series has been great. Uh, yeah, the road team is six and zero, which is the first time that's happened in, in NBA history. Uh, so I guess that goes to say game seven will go to the Mavs. <laughs> well, you know, it's a game seven in Los Angeles that pressure is one of the great equalizers in sports. For Even sure. if, you know, one team was so significantly worse than the other, the pressure of a game seven could really even the playing field. It really could. Yep. 
Um, I mean, I guess the big adjustment after the clip after the Clippers tying it up at two two was Boban Marjanovic starting yeah. at, starting at starting for the Mavs at countering the small ball starting lineup of the Clippers. It was a great move, and it worked. <laughs> I mean, it worked it, great. I mean, it it made everything so simple because now when he dives to the rim, there's no one, no one that can <laughs> even catch the ball where he can catch the ball. It's ridiculous. So, and then for some reason, the Mavs, it looks like the other four Mavs defend better when Boban's there because they know they have to cover him. Yeah. They're going to work their butts off to cover for him. I mean, he's just, well, he just pretty much plays drop if I'm not wrong, right? So No, he, he drops. But he also will recover out all the way to the perimeter, which I was impressed by. It doesn't look great, but he, the effort's there. Yeah, I, I did not. I, this is one thing I did not expect to see a lot of, a lot for of sure, Bowman sure. in this series. But he, he's I know. good. <laughs> it was an excellent adjustment because I mean, Porzing- you would think Porzingis could nullify the small ball, but he just didn't. And because he doesn't have that vertical spacing, I mean, you can push Porzingis out with just Morris. You can guard Porzingis with Morris or Batum and not give up an advantage. But you have Boban, you are giving something up which was a very smart move on Carlisle's part. But I think I also want to give the Clippers props because they went small. And since game five, like the first half still didn't look good. But after that, like they really like, they really got into the, um, they really understood what they were going to do and they actually executed. So even though game five didn't go for them, game six was better. Luke is still killing them, but you know. Yeah, and then Kawhi Kawhi also played more. Like he looked to score more than he did in Game Five. Like he was doubled a lot in Game Five, and gave up the ball up. But in today's game, he was a bit more aggressive, looking for his shot. Um, Well, they didn't they didn't want to double him because of because Paul George played well in Game Five too. Yeah, there you go. Game six, Game game Five. No, Game Six, he didn't play super well. Fourth quarter was better. He did not play well. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the thing with PG too. Like. Game five, he did a really good job of attacking the basket. Um, he got to the rim several times off of, off of those double teams, and I think that's what Dallas wanted to avoid. And it's still – whatever Dallas did today, it still worked. It's just, you know, Kawhi went absolutely bonkers. There's no defensive adjustment that you could have made other than double teaming him that would have really helped you. Like Kawhi's, Kawhi was just on it last night. Yeah, when he was make, when he's making the Luca uh, the step back threes, like that, that you can't stop him. You can't stop that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You also don't want to give up something else, like because Paul George could have just gotten it going like that. Yeah. Um. So that's what you know. You got to pick your poison. You got to live with whatever. You got to pick something, and whatever you pick, you just better be ready to live with the consequences. Yeah. So I guess game six was great. Um, in game seven, uh, do, who do you think? I guess who do you think will win? And if there, do you think there should be any adjustments on, on, on both sides to like maximize their chances here? Yeah. So I mean, um, seven games. I'm not sure how much more adjustments you can make. <laughs> right. Right. I think that neither team should overreact to to what the game. Um, I think the Clippers staying small has clearly given them the, the 
the best advantage. Yeah. So maybe you play Boogie to take Marjanovic in game seven when Luka's not on the floor, of course. Because if you put Boogie... Oh, Luka, yeah, he's going to get cooked. Him. He's going to get cooked. Yeah. In the, the non Luka minutes when Boban's on the floor, maybe you limit what he can do with, with, um, with Boogie. If you can really make a solid run during the stretch Luka's out, force him to continue to play... That would be great. And I think the, the Clippers started to involve him in more action. Luca. Yeah, on fatigued, defense, yeah. Which fatigued him. Fatigued him a little bit. And Luca's doing everything for the Mavs. So if you can fatigue him and you have Kawhi and PG, that, that plays in the Clippers' favor. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious that he got, he got um, tired from, those, from playing that, that kind of defense because – I, I, I watched the Sports Center right after the game, and Tim Legler pointed out the possessions where Luca kind of just gave up the ball after getting doubled and not moving. And you tweeted it as well. I did, yes. That but he then as soon as, I, as soon as I tweeted it, he did it twice in a row. <laughs> I was like, all right, I guess Luca, look at our Twitter. But, um, but yeah, no, that's the thing that plagued Damian Lillard in 2019. I mean, he would pass, give the ball up, and he wouldn't move. And, Luca needs to do that more consistently, or he needs to let someone else bring the ball up and give him a break. You know, I think he, there is such a thing as doing too much. Mm. Um, so I think if he get, just gives it up a little bit, because you also don't want to become a target on defense, because then you give up points to the Clippers. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there were possessions where Luca played really great defense, but after five, six seconds of, you know, defending passing lanes or closing out, he just kind of gives it up because, like, oh, I have to conserve my energy. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's also a function of the Mavs offense being so centered around him. I mean, in game five, I think I saw a stat. I think actually Nick Wright tweeted it. So kudos to Nick Wright for this, tweet, for this stat. But it was like, I think only five, only five field goals of the Mavs that game were, on, were not assisted or scored by Luka. Oh, wow. That was insane. But Luca, that is a like, lot. That's crazy, right? Yeah. That was the game he shot 37 times, 42 points. No one else. Yeah. Only him and, T- and Tim Hardaway Jr. scored more than 10. <laughs> yeah. Man. So, I, I think either team should make small adjustments. Because I, I also don't know what card Rick Carlisle has left. You know, bringing Boban, like that, that may have been his last, last play. It's just going to be up to execution. Some of it too, like I feel like Dallas had a little bit of shooting luck, mm. right? Like they, the Mavs get great looks. So that's not an accident. The luck part factors in when you make or miss it because they were shooting, what, 50% as a team for a couple of games. And then last night they didn't shoot that well. Yeah, they didn't. Like, actually, neither team did actually until, the, until towards the end where Kawhi was making a couple of threes. Exactly. So... You know, I, I don't know who wins. I think the Clippers win. Yeah, I, I think, think they still have some stuff to play. They're, they have more, I guess you'd say they have more, they have more talent, right? That, so I think that might, that might be what pulls it out. But there's, I, I'm still spooked at how, about how they play at home. <laughs> it's, I, I, I can't, I definitely don't want to, like, I'm not as confident. Like, it's more like, let's say, what, 60-40 Clippers or like 55-45 yeah. Clippers, something like that. So not like a overwhelming favorite, I guess, is what I would say there. For sure. Hey, anything can happen in the game of seven. Yep. So, all right. 
I, I'm good with that. Let's, let's start moving on to our, uh, to our conference semifinal preview. I mean, I can't believe the first round of the playoffs is basically done. We have one more game left, and that's yep. it. It's, it's done. So we're not going to talk about um, – we're not going to talk about Utah just yet. Just because, because you don't, don't know who's going to win. Yep. Yeah. We just don't know who's going to win. So let's start with um, – let's just go down the, the bracket order. Let's talk about Philly versus Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, this, the, the, I guess the biggest, ish, the biggest thing here, as you, start, as you mentioned in the insight segment, is Embiid's health. Um, yeah, no doubt. Does, this action, does, the, does, the, does his injury kind of like open the door to an Atlanta Eastern Conference Finals appearance? Ooh, I mean, <laughs> that's a good question. And the Hawks like looked really good against New York, who has a good defense. And so... Um, did not look good in that series. <laughs> we were completely wrong about that series. We were completely wrong about that. I thought, you know, the defensive adjustments, the defense was still there. Maybe I just underestimated how good the Hawks were. I watched yeah. a lot of Hawks early in the season. I admit I fell off in the, in the later season. I didn't know that they were this good. Um, so, that, you know, that's kudos to Trey Young and the crew. Like, they, they played really well. But Embiid's health really is going to be pretty huge here. I mean, regular season offensive rating with Embiid on is 119.6. Off of it is 109. So it's kind of big. It's a big difference. Yeah. Uh, what was encouraging, though, was that game five against Washington. Um, yeah. Ben Simmons at the five? <laughs> Do you think right. they start the series with against Atlanta? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, I think that's, the, that's your best defensive lineup because Trey Young absolutely ate the Knicks alive. Yeah. And I think that he knew what the Knicks were going to give up. They were not going to give up the rim. And he knew that they were going to be overly aggressive. So he knew what he could get. And I think with the way the Sixers play, they have a little bit better personnel. If they theoretically executed the same way the Knicks did, I think it wouldn't be the same for, for Trey. Because the Knicks, as great of a defensive team as they were, they do not have Ben Simmons. They do not have Matisse Thybulle. They do not have Danny Green. Yep. I mean, that's so, like three big, long dudes. <laughs> yeah. And, and you I can, mean, Tobias Harris and Seth Curry aren't slouches either. Yeah. Five solid defenders there. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't... I, I, it'll be very interesting to see how Trey plays in this series. For sure. Um, I've been... I love the I love his showmanship though. I mean, he was bound to do this. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> to the Garden Crowd. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but it was great. It was great. But yeah, I mean, this is going to be a test again because this this is a team that has that has the perfect defensive tools to, oh for sure, to defend him. Well, um, let's. I think I think with with that, let's let's jump ahead to the schemes hmm. because if you're if you're the Sixers and let's say you don't have Embiid, you know, what. How do you stop Trey's perimeter playmaking, you know, without, without the big guy in there? I mean, if you're playing essentially what is a s- small ball, but not, it's kind of like the Clippers 5 uh, lineup with this quote-unquote right. small ball. That, I guess the best, the best scheme for that kind of lineup is just switch everything, right? Potentially. I, I thought about that too, and that's probably where I would start because also if you, do, if you pull out your – best defensive scheme right away. The Hawks can adjust to it, then you have nothing. So hmm. I think 
I think you can switch everything to start off and see where that goes. Um, I think the, the plus side to that is the weakness in Trey's offensive game is that he's not a good rim finisher. So, yeah, he's too small. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can like, be physical with him if you switch, and you're not really giving up any mismatch, so maybe you're not giving yourself a bad matchup there. Um, I think the drawback is <laughs> Trey's such a good shooter. Does it, it almost maybe doesn't matter who's guarding him. Yeah. Um, and he's going to run around a ton of screens. So if you run some off-ball action, it, with, if you get Trace, you know, Simmons switched onto, onto Trey Young in an off-ball action, and then you're on a pick and roll, then maybe Trey gets an advantage there. You know what I mean? But that's mm-hmm. something that would have to be proved. Um, so that's maybe where they start. I think if you're the Sixers and Embiid does play, I would drop. You drop on Trey Young? Not a full drop, of course, because you can't give up the pull-up. But I would have him, maybe not full drop. I'll say below level, which is more or less what their base defense is. Like a hedge? Is. Not quite a hedge. It's like um, he's, he plays a conservative level. Like he'll be a step or two behind where he could still contest the pull-up, but would let, maybe let Trey drive. Because I would feel good about Trey driving against Embiid. And then you have a good enough perimeter defender to cover a drop pass, like a through pass to the roller. To Capella or, 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 or Collins. Collins. Yeah. You have to worry about the lob. But I think if you late switch that and prevent that, there's a chance that, they, that the Sixers can do that. And, of course, you have to worry about Embiid's health because if he's not mobile enough to contest Trey, then Trey's going to eat him alive. You know what I mean? There's all these things that you can try. Yeah. Um, I guess from the Hawks' point of view, it would be – the Phillies, Phillies defense is going to be focused on Young, so it will be important for Bogey. 100%. Bogey, uh, Gallo, uh, John Collins as well to, to oh, stay yeah. off of him. Yeah. I think one of the things the Hawks do very well is they run a ton of three-player actions. Spain pick and roll. They do yeah. double drags. They do stack pick and roll. Where Bogey and Trey are both involved. So it's not like the Hawks have to make this monumental change. They're already doing good things that are going to make it pretty difficult for, for the Sixers already. I just think, like, the Hawks don't turn the ball over a ton, but Trey Young especially may be a little more prone to it. Like, I mean, yeah. Not because he's loose with it. It's just because he will be forced. Yeah, exactly. And he'll be forced into tough, a lot of tough positions. So I think the, the Hawks have to just stay disciplined and not don't force a home run play you know mm-hmm. try just try to get make a first base play and let your teammates do a couple things let them carry you to second third and, and home base you know what i mean to bring a baseball yeah. analogy in there but <laughs> i think the, if the hawks stick with it and don't force anything then i think they'll they'll have a, the best shot possible how about uh Okay, so, so that's the Hawks on offense and the Philly on defense. How about uh, the, on the, the other end, uh, Philly on offense and yeah. Atlanta on defense? Um, do you think the, the Sixers have enough? I think without Embiid, do, I guess, yeah, because Embiid is a lot of games, so they do, have the, they do know how to play without him. But as right. you mentioned, their offensive rating is 109 compared to 119 with Embiid. So yeah. do you think they'll be able to... I guess improve on that with like now that they're 
playing Ben at the five and right, right. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, so that's gonna be tough because that means they're gonna post up Simmons and Harris. They have enough stuff that where they run off ball screens for Curry and Green, but because they're not Seth isn't Clay or Steph even his brother, so it's not like you can feast off of those. You're just gonna have to take advantage of every little thing you can get and get turnovers. Pad your make mm-hmm. your defense become your offense. You get turnovers. Philly is one of the best turnover teams, creating teams in the league. And so you're really going to have to lean on that, get turnovers, pressure Trey into making mistakes, pressure the other guys too. I mean, yeah. if you're another play they could do is double Trey, get the ball out of his hands, and then pressure the other guys. Like, do you think yep. Kevin Horder might be able to, <laughs> you know, not a knock on him. It's, it's just a question. Like, that's, that, that, I mean, you, you want Trey, Kevin Horder to be the one to beat you. <laughs> Exactly. Hawks, right? <laughs> so maybe you maybe you force some turnovers, and then you get some. Ben Simmons pushes the pace, and that's where his passing shines. I mean, that's his that's his best. That's where Ben Simmons is best. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just like the flashy like outlet passes which he has. He makes a lot of the really simple reads mm-hmm. that just make such a big difference. He always hits the trailer because he knows it's always going to be open. He even does a thing where he'll like screen off the guy, the trailer's defender, and yeah. Danny Green gets an open three. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a simple play, but it's open every time. Yeah, and especially that Ben Simmons is the one setting. He's a big body that's hard to get around. Exactly. So, I think if you're Philly, you got to get a lot of turnovers, and Simmons has to continue to be aggressive, not just in full court, but in half court. Um, Simmons scored 19 points and dished out 11 assists in game five against the Wizards. That's similar production to what he, that's what he, that's what the Sixers are going to need. Yeah, for sure. Um, assuming Embiid, Embiid, do you think Embiid, uh, I, I don't know the latest report if he's going to play, like, he's probably going to miss at least a game or two in the series. Is that, what, is that what the latest report is? Or it's not even sure yet? Uh, it's not sure yet. I think the signs are encouraging. I don't know if he plays game one, but we'll see. I mean, it, it could happen. But, you know, if I'm the Hawks, I target him on defense. Yeah, I get sure. him sure. in as much action as I can and Tested. see what, what's he got. What, what is his knee got? Like, if he has a bum knee, let's play him off the floor. Yep. Uh, do you think, though, that Philly still, should still be favored in this series? I think so. Um, but oh, oh, it's it'll be a lot closer of a series. And I'm I'm since I watched some Hawks tape yesterday, I'm more of a believer in what they do. Mm-hmm. But I think that the Sixers are favored with or without Embiid. It's just a matter of how quickly it happens. Okay, so let's let's do that. Let's get on it. Our prediction time. Let's do it. Let's do um, it. Yeah. So uh, you you were saying how how quickly do you think the, the Sixers will yeah. beat the Hawks? <laughs> I would say. And with Embiid, it's five. Yeah. Without Embiid, man, this could go seven. Seven? It's that big. That's th- what she said. <laughs> Sorry, had to. I think I, would go, I think I would go here. Sixers. I think actually, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say Sixers and five regardless of Embiid's health. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to turn the Hawks, huh? No, I'm a believer, believer, I'm believer in the Sixers' defense. <laughs> Uh-oh. 
So we know we know where that got us last time. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. So the the Hawks are gonna prove me wrong twice. Let's see. <laughs> All right, let's um let's move on to the matchup that you know this has the potential to be the NBA Finals conference semifinal in history, which probably should be the final now that the Lakers are out and the Clippers may get out. Yeah, and the Nuggets aren't fully healthy. This could be the best series. In, in the playoffs this year. It's Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I mean, we've all been looking forward to it since I don't know, when they were already positioned in two and three. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, important is that Brooklyn is the second seed and, Gian- and the Bucks are the third seed. So, Brooklyn is going to have home court if it gets to a game seven, which please, 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 please. Please. Um, First thing we got to talk about, this KD Giannis thing. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm so excited for that. Yes. This, this is like, what? The, they, it's the two best small forwards left. <laughs> Sorry, LeBron. Technically, they're both power forwards. Technically. That's true. That's true. They do play power forward now. Especially, yeah. especially because they play like Giannis. Or even five sometimes, you know? Giannis, especially a small, great small ball five. So, um. You know, they guard I, each other, though. I, I, I hope so. They Probably should. They, should. The they, 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 they didn't guard each other in the regular season that much. Right. Maybe yeah. they were keeping I, that in their back pocket. Maybe. Well, there were actually some times where Giannis and KD were matched up. But it, it, it's situational. You, of course, don't want to fatigue either guy because they're, yeah. they're one of the main creators on offense. So um, I think the main thing question I have for Giannis is um, – from an offensive standpoint, is he going to have enough mid-range jumpers to make the Nets respect that? And for KD, if he is going to be playing a lot of small ball five, does he still have enough of that off-ball defense that we saw against the Celtics? Yeah. To juice up the Nets. Because the Nets are going to have to defend. Now, they're playing a good offensive team in the Bucks. You can't just get away because the Celtics are not the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, KD... But- like he's both actually on both ends of the floor. Like no one could stop. Like on offense, no one could stop him. So it was it wasn't super duper hard for him to score. And right. on defense, he didn't have to guard Tatum all the time. Exactly. Exactly. So he, he's gonna I have mean, to put a lot more effort in this uh, in this series. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, the the Nets playing the Celtics, they very there weren't as many blowouts as you thought there would be. Yeah, and that's I know that the the Celtics have Jason Tatum. But it's not like they had a healthy Kemba Walker. It's, and then the next offensive player was Evan Fournier. Celtics weren't healthy. And the Nets weren't, didn't struggle a little bit on, to defend them. What's, what are you going to do now that every single player the Bucks put out there is a, a threat on offense? Yeah, so this is where their defense is going to be really tested. Or if <laughs> this might be the, like, Brooklyn will prove whether or not, like, we can retire the defense wins championships uh, saying. <laughs> I don't think we ever will get there because you have to somewhat defend. If, yeah. if the Nets were as bad as the Blazers were on defense, they're, they're not going to win, I don't think. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I hope, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. So, you know, here's one thing I thought of too from a matchup standpoint. Hmm. Will the Bucks be slightly hurt without Dante DiVincenzo? I mean, I don't overreact to a replace a relatively replaceable role player, but now it's 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 Pat Connaughton or 
Bryn Forbes. Um, Bryn Forbes guarding Harden or Kyrie. It's like, I know that PJ Tucker, but you know, he has this. this yeah, th- th- I think that that's the way to go. You gotta play PJ instead of. I mean, if if they if 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 Pat Connaughton or Bryn Forbes are getting cooked, that's for who, sure. That's who you play in place of Dante. I think right. I think that one is still somewhat like they can they can make up for that Brooklyn. The one I'm yeah. worried more for uh, injuries from an injury standpoint is Jeff Green and. I just saw DeAndre Jordan is also questionable for game one. Yes, yes. So I think that one's the more concerning injury from, from either team. Yeah. No, there's optimism that Jeff Green will come back. Like a strained plantar yeah. fascia, like you can, you can come back from that. It's not that bad. Um, I think let's, let's start talking about some schemes then. For the Bucks. you know, we've been saying all season like they were doing different defensive coverages and, you know, in the – when they had the mini series in April or whenever yeah. it was, they did, they did different things, but yeah. it, it also felt like they were conserving some stuff. So both teams were actually, I mean, the way they, both teams were, yeah, it was, you know, as, but when it was coming closer to it, the, both teams knew like, okay, we got to win this because we're probably going to see them and it would be nice to have home court. So yeah. they started making a couple of adjustments. They put like Griffin on Giannis and they tried to wall him, um, or at least have some strong help at the nail. Easier said than done. But from what I remember, the Bucks started switching when they had Bobby Portis on there. Mm-hmm. But I'm in my head, I'm like, they have the Bucks have a huge physical advantage with Brooke Lopez. What, like, what what's gonna happen there? Let's start with the, the defensive coverage. If you're the Bucks, what would you start with? I think they could like. Their, their drop coverage against the Heat was so effective. They might just start with that and see how it goes. Especially right. knowing Bud. <laughs> Especially knowing Bud. Um, that, might how, that might be how it goes. Although, I don't see that lasting pretty. Like I, the, the Heat don't, don't have anyone as good. I mean, clearly, no one as good as, those, as the three, big three in the net. So, that might just immediately blow up. Yeah. <laughs> you but, also have to remember, too, like, those three guys, the Nets big three, are all better jump shooters than Jimmy Butler is. Yeah. You can, you can get away with the drop. You shouldn't have because Butler would have penetrated the way he did last year. But yeah. th- I guess this year, it, the, the Bucks just played it better. Plus, it was Giannis guarding yeah. the length. Yeah. The contest from behind could actually work in that scenario. And maybe that's where they go when they're defending KD. But can you do that with Kyrie? Because Giannis gets caught up in the screen – if it's Kyrie, Kyrie blows by him. No, that's why you got you um you put Drew Holiday on Kyrie. <laughs> I, no, I, that's a good point. Yeah. They have like as everyone's been saying, they have three they have the perfect matchups on defense for for the big three on the Nets, right? Um, right, right. So I think all three of those guys are good enough to like maybe still where they can still get away with the drop where with the contest from behind. But yeah. Probably like more than likely, those guys are gonna kill them on on the pull-ups. I think, I think the uh, the Bucks will go with a soft switch. It's not a it's not a like a total drop. You know, like mm-hmm. the traditional drop is like you just stick in the paint and contest a layup, make them hit a floater or a midi, a mid-range jumper. But I think teams are more going with well, if you're gonna drop. Be, be ready to contest the pull-up and be mobile enough to contest at the rim. And I think if it's um, 
I think if it's Kyrie, that's what you do. It's a con- you do I don't know what to call it. It's either conservative drop or a step behind like, level. Yeah, I don't know what to call it. But that be be ready to contest a Kyrie mid range. Now, if it's if it's KD, maybe you do a more aggressive drop because it's Giannis guarding him. Mm-hmm. If it's James Harden. You make him go to the floater, or you make him shoot mid-range jumpers, which he doesn't do anyway. He doesn't at all. I feel like I can't. I I can't picture him pulling up from mid-range. It's either a exactly. floater or going all the way to the layup for a layup. Yeah, and then you know the Nets play a lot of isolation. How aggressive is the help? Do you play them straight up? Do you aggressively help at the nail? Um, do you have Brook Lopez lurking at the rim? Like what? How do you play it? And I think the Bucks should play it straight up to start. And see what they've got, because they have good defenders, you know. Yeah, agree. I think yeah, I think they should they should play it straight up and then see how it goes. Um, yeah. But I think eventually they'll end up like having some sw- doing some switches at some point. Um, they'll probably right. mix and ma- like mix up their defensive scheme just to give them different looks. The Nets. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, but I can really imagine. I can already imagine like. Them closing with Giannis at the five, and you could put PJ Tucker oh, yeah. there. That's going to be their closing five with no Brooklyn. Maybe even Bobby Portis. I mean, remember Bobby yeah. Portis shot forty percent. And the the big advantage that you know, if the Nets going small versus the Bucks going small, the Nets go small, they they lose some rim protection. The Bucks don't. They don't. That's yeah. Big advantage for the Bucks. Big advantage. Yeah, agree. Um, I. Th- before we move on to the Nets, there's one more. There, there's an X factor that I think Bud should keep in mind for later in the series. I don't think you should do it yet. Or maybe if you're getting in kind of a pickle to start off, force, force something from the Nets. If you can force the Nets to do this move, then it, maybe you go to it early. I don't know what the answer is. But Brooke Lopez has such a physical advantage over anybody the Nets can throw at him. Especially no with one. DJ being questionable <laughs> exactly if dj is not healthy that's huge and i mean if the nets still had lamarcus that'd be different but there there's no one that can physically match brooke lopez right now how aggressive do you think they go to brooke lopez early in the post if they decide to put uh who they put on, on Giannis, uh right so normally they play their center on him right at least based on the play based on the regular season they do so, sometimes. They put Blake on him or something. Yeah, yeah. So that could give that could put like a KD on him. I think that'd be a, if they have one of the big three on on Lopez. That may, that might be a good way to like keep get them tired. Right. Because right. Brook Lopez is still pretty good in the post. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Especially as that physical presence. Yeah. Um, plus that'll give Lopez some um, some more offensive rebounds. Something that the Nets give up. That's just mm-hmm. that. That's just extra. Tristan Extra Thompson points. killed them on the Celtics. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Tristan Thompson had ten offensive rebounds in that game that they won. So yep. the Nets get, they, the Nets give up size. So I don't know if you go to it early or if you go to it late. Maybe if DeAndre Jordan's back, you force the Nets to play them because then DeAndre Jordan gives gives up things on the defensive end as well. Mm-hmm. Like maybe maybe that's when you force DJ to play and. You involve them in more pick and pops where DJ has to recover to Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is a good enough shooter that DeAndre has to close out. And Brooke Lopez can kind of put it on the floor and make a play. 
slow mo to the rim, yeah. Slow mo, but Brook Lopez isn't a slouch. Yeah, I so then they'd have to force something, right? So maybe you tuck that in the back pocket. Maybe that's not the first thing you go to. I don't know. I I, I don't know what the the right call is there. But just as important is who are the Nets gonna play at center? What's the lineup gonna be like? Who they play? I mean, they started they started Blake. Uh, when Jeff Green got out, got out, right? I think they probably would have been starting Jeff Green. Yeah. He's healthy. Um, they probably will once he's back, I would think. Yeah. And I, think, I think maybe the, in this series, because of the size, maybe they do start Blake. I mean, Blake's done a good job of being the connector. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, he doesn't do a lot that pops out on the box score, but he does... He keeps the ball moving, which is huge because he's a good passer. I think... It's just the defensive end because we know, like historically, he's not the strongest defender, but he's he's looked better in Brooklyn. So that that center position is going to be so key for them because their four are set. Yeah, their big yeah. three and Joe Harris. That, yeah. that no one else is playing unless maybe someone else is so hot that Tyler Johnson. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. I mean, who starts at center? And the other question is, can the, the Nets' defense hold up? Yeah, that's the big question. Um, how do you think they'll defend Giannis? Because, I mean, we saw, obviously, we only saw Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan on him, especially late in the season. Right. Um, do we see Jeff Green or Kevin Durant? Does Harden? I don't think. I, not think I Harden think, in the post, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do they attack Harden with Middleton? I mean, Harden's got to guard one, might end up having to guard one of those guys. Or Kyrie, even. Or Kyrie, yeah. Yeah. I mean, from a defensive standpoint, the, the Nets' base defense is switching. Yeah. So they're, and so, yeah. Everyone's so going to end up if, with someone, yeah. Everyone's going to exactly. end up defending everyone, yeah. So if you're the Bucks, I would hope – now, here's the thing, too. Like, if, you're the, if I were coaching the Bucks, I would run actions to mismatch hunt, and I would force, I would force the Nets to change their defense. You, like, who'd that's you something I would go uh, – Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's the first, right? Then you go – because he gives up a size advantage to Middleton and Giannis. So if you can get Kyrie switch on to one of those guys, then great. Or even if you have Kyrie playing off ball and you run um, off ball action for um, Bryn Forbes. Yeah. And then Kyrie scram switches and then you attack something on the scram. You know, you know I, that's... I, just had, I, just had my, I just had a flashback to Kyrie not... not uh, What's it? Throwing, uh, waving off Al Horford to scram shit, switch him out of Jan- uh, from the Giannis matchup. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he does that there again, they're, they're, they're screwed. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, and that's something I noted even late in the season. Like, the Nets defense has come a long way from December, like when they started. But the scram switching can still get them in trouble sometimes. And multiple <laughs> closeouts get them in trouble sometimes. So that's, the Nets have to be on. And that's the thing that plagued them a little bit against the Celtics. Like, the Celtics are well-coached, and they took advantage. Yeah. So, and now imagine the Bucks. So, the Nets are going to have to be disciplined. And that's a big thing. Like, the, it's – I hate – I'm not going to say it's the Nets series to lose, but there's a lot that the Nets can do to fuck themselves over. There's a lot <laughs> that they can do. Particularly on defense. <laughs> are you worried Especially, at all about their offense? Not that much, of course, because they, they have – they have four guys that complement each other so well, and then the fifth guy, whoever they bring in, is going to be fine. 
Yeah. It's not like Shamit's a bad player. Not like Tyler, Tyler Johnson's a bad player. Nick Claxton is good enough. Like Blake, fucking Blake Griffin. They have offensive firepower. There's just a lot that they can give up on the defensive end. So with that said, I, let's prediction time because we talked a lot about the series. Of course. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to say that I, I – quick question though. Do you have a rooting interest in this series? Because I want to say I think, I'm, I think I'm rooting for the Bucks in this one. Um, I am too, um, just because, but see, here's the thing too. I am rooting for the Bucks because I- I'm not the biggest fan of Kyrie or Harden. Kyrie, because I'm a Celtics fan and Harden, just because I don't like the way he plays, but I just know the Twitter storm is going to be like, um, see, you're your super team and you couldn't even get past the Bucks. but it's also like. The Giannis will get the same shit on if they lose. Exactly, exactly. But it's also like. Yeah, but the Nets are a flawed team. They have Harden, Kyrie, and KD, three, two MVP calibers, and another All NBA caliber guy. But they're a flawed team, and it's just like the the lack of understanding from that like infuriates me. Yeah. So I just want a good series. I'm just gonna. I, I'd rather the Bucks win, but I want a good series. Yeah, I, I from yeah, that's just my rooting interest. But I, I would, I'm not like super like, oh, if the if the Bucks lose, I'm hard devastated, like I was the Lakers losing. <laughs> but, for sure, for sure. But yeah, um, so rooting interest aside, who do you think will win this series? Truthfully, I don't. I still don't know if how much I trust Bud yet. That's like, the that's, thing. This is the that's big the test for him. Thing like. <laughs> like Nash seems like a guy who will experiment. He'll throw something out there that's unconventional and maybe it'll work. And that's, the Nets have that like, self-awareness. Exactly. Like the Nets have that self-awareness. They'll, they'll do whatever the fuck. Like the Bucks, I don't know. I feel like he'll play so conservatively. He'll stick to the base too much. Now you don't want to stray from your base defense because that's what you do best. Yep. But can you make enough adjustments and see the we exploit the weaknesses enough to make the Nets' lack of defense pay. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the Nets' talent will overcome that. I I have the Nets in seven. Yeah, I, I'll be really shocked uh, considering how the Bucks experiment a lot this season. If we don't see small ball PJ Tucker lineup, uh, yeah, this series. Uh, but with that being said, I still think the Net. This is where I think the Nets offense will just carry them. Uh, so I yeah. kind of agree. I agree with your prediction. Brooklyn in seven. Um, but I am rooting. I, 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 I will not lie. I am rooting for the Bucks right. to win and the Giannis to get Me over too. the hump. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm picking the Nets. But I'm yeah. saying seven because it could go the other way too. Like I, yeah. I don't know who to pick genuinely. I really don't. But this might, this might end up being the quote-unquote NBA finals just because I think th- these are the two best teams left. I think so. Particularly with how the Clippers have been playing. Yeah. How the Clippers have been... Not, no disrespect to Phoenix or Utah, though. Yeah, no disrespect to them. I th- actually, Utah's the other one that I, might, I am probably overlooking the most. Phoenix, exactly. I'm, st- exactly. Phoenix I'm still, I'm still doubt- doubtful because of the experience. But, but we'll get to this later uh, in the next series. With, uh, they're, beating the Lakers is really impressive. You know what? You know what? Let's get to it now. Okay. Yeah, we, we've we, talked a lot. Let's let's get to it. Phoenix, Denver. <laughs> Phoenix, Denver. I mean, honestly, I didn't see this coming. Of course, I picked the Lakers in six, but yes. you know, 
even though the Lakers weren't healthy, that's just a string of bad luck. I mean, the Suns earned that. They play, Cameron Payne, Devin Booker. Devin Booker. Oh my God. The la- DeAndre Ayton. Wow. Yeah, they all play. Did you see that? Did you see that? Sco- uh, did you see that stat? Uh, Devin Booker in the fourth, first quarters of game five and six, 40 points. The Lakers, 38. Yeah, man. <laughs> Devin Booker. And that's the crazy thing. I mean, I have in that top 15 article that I, be, I pretty much reference once every podcast. Every po- at least once. <laughs> I've looked, I've examined a little bit Devin Booker's offense and the growth. He is a better player than he was last year. The numbers don't, the basic box score numbers don't back it up. But I'm, I know, I'm pretty sure that's because Chris Paul took over. Ball handling love. responsibilities. Yep. Booker is, a, Booker is a fucking baller. Like, the passing has improved. The defense has improved. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's, I call D, Booker a positive on defense now. It's like positive. Yeah. And so, and here's the thing too. I mean, if we were to make, what I'm, I'm kind of coming up with a concept called all NBA playoff rookie team, where it's Ooh. the rookies of the playoffs, not rookies, period. It's yeah. playoff rookies. Who would be on that Ooh. team? Devin Booker is probably the, the rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah, already. For sure. And you know who else makes it? DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton. He torched the Lakers. I mean, the physical advantage that Ayton had, yep. especially on the glass, I mean, this is the DeAndre Ayton Phoenix has been wanting. Aggressive. Yeah, and I guess speaking about Ayton, um, he matched up well against Jokic in the regular season. I think Jokic had a quote saying right. he, he, guarded him, he guarded him really well. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Ayton guarded Jokic well. So, yeah, you want, you want to, start, you want to start, about, start off the series, talk about the series with that matchup. That matchup, yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, during the regular season, Aiton did well, but is he ready to take that on in a playoff setting? Because, I mean, if I'm Aiton, I would have just watched what Jokic did to the Blazers and how, as good of a defender as Nurkic is, like, oh, shit. Like, he's on it. You know, Jokic like, was so good. <laughs> and I don't know how aggressively the Suns play it yet. This is another one where maybe you play conservatively again to start off. Because if, if you get Jokic passing, you're done. Do, yeah, do they copy the game one strategy of the of then of Portland and just? I think so. I mean, the strategy stay for home, the strategy for Portland didn't change that much. Some of the smaller details of the scheme changed, but in general, it's like we're, we cannot give up much to you. We just cannot. <laughs> like you, you, you will kill us if we He's do. Too good. He's too good. So you know. But you know, Jokic scoring 40 is better than him dishing out and the whole team like scoring 60. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's all about the, the point on the scoreboard. So that's probably what you do at first. And you know what? We may even see Jay Crowder on Jokic a little bit. Oh, he's gay. that's barbecue chicken. I'm sorry. I know it is. No, it 100% <laughs> is. But like, you think about who else. Once Aiton's on the bench, who's guarding Jokic? It's Dario Saric, Frank Letang. Like, <laughs> yeah, Jokic ate them alive in the in, exactly. So in it, it probably season. would be Jay Crowder. That's less. That's less barbecue chicken than anyone else. So that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, especially because Crowder doesn't. Oh no, I was about to say he doesn't have a significant perimeter assignment. That's not true. 
because Porter Jr. and Gordon are both both do enough that it opens things up for Jokic to, to dish and the guards take advantage. Yeah, I mean, I think Porter, Porter Jr. will have a, will have, will be huge for Denver. I mean, he's obviously their second best player on offense. Um, yeah, no doubt. So stopping him will be big for Phoenix. Yeah. And I mean, here's the tough thing that Phoenix is going to have to manage. If Jokic does start torching you one-on-one, if you have to send extra help, Gordon is such a good cutter. Yep. You have to pay attention to him. He has that vertical spacing, even though he's a wing. Because he's such an athlete, and he cuts so hard. Yes. And, that leaves, and then what are you leaving open? Michael Porter Jr. in the corner. Like, that's tough. Yeah, I think I'm picturing that pass that Jokic had to the corner. Uh, yeah. Against, Den, against Portland. Beautiful pass. <laughs> I know. So I'm just thinking like, oh my God, if, if Jamal Murray was healthy, I really think this Denver team would have won. The Denver, like, yeah, if, oh, that sucks for them, but they... I know, I know. I, they still have a shot in this series, uh, even though they, they have a shot in this, this series, season. for sure. But man, um, anyway, I don't want to like harp on that because it sucks, but yeah. I think like... And Phoenix is well-equipped to, to handle. I think Phoenix actually matches up pretty decently with Denver. Yeah. Especially without Jamal Murray. Because, I mean, now you have Chris Paul freed up to dig down and be to harass people at the nail, which he's pretty good at. And, you know, now Booker doesn't have a huge guard assignment. Yeah, guard play is going to be huge for, uh, for Denver because they uh, a problem in the first series that they were able to overcome. With yeah, yeah. Some timely shots from Austin Rivers, but will that continue? Yeah. And who's I mean, they're gonna have to defend Booker and Paul. And without, uh, do you think they have enough? Uh, from what Austin Rivers is the main took took Dame for the most part. Uh, in that and he series. got torched. He still got torched. He was praying. <laughs> I know, and I mean Rivers did a good as good of a job as he possibly can. <laughs> Lillard reads the floor so good. Yeah. It's just tough. It's just tough. Now, Booker isn't Lillard. So I would give Rivers a little more of a chance um, to, to guard Booker, but that's going to be tough. Here's my question to you, though, because one of the adjustments that the Nuggets did that kind of paid off and it helped a little bit, they put Aaron Gordon on Lillard. Mm. So, and I wonder... I wouldn't do that straight off the bat. I wouldn't put Aaron Gordon on Devin Booker. But yeah. that's, a, that's a card that they could play. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Gordon was to the, they traded for him to, to supposedly guard LeBron <laughs> in a potential yeah. matchup. But now that they're gone, uh, now he's stuck again to guard one of these guards. But he did, it, guarding, guarding Dame was, he was, he was, it was decent. Uh, I mean, he, he did okay in game with, what was it? Game six, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a card that you could play later. And maybe you even put Aaron Gordon straight off the bat on Paul. Paul. Maybe because... He's still here, kind of hurt, right? He is, but Chris Paul's looked a lot better in the last two games. Yes, for sure, really for, good. Sure, for sure. Um, so, um, that's something. And, you know, Rivers and Faku are going to have to... I, I trust in Faku to be a pest. But, you know, because they are giving up a little bit of size on Devin Booker. And the Suns run Booker through a lot of off-ball action before he gets into his full-on attack. But Booker and Booker's lack of defensive assignments, I'm expecting Booker to have big games. So Denver's really going to have to watch Phoenix for that. 
Yeah, they. It, Austin Rivers is gonna have a tough series, tough job this again, year. Again, again. Yeah, no doubt. Let's um, let's move on to the scheme then, because we talked yeah. about the importance of the matchups. Um, on for Booker, I mean, what do you do, what do you do against for if should you do you think that they should get Devin Booker going early or kind of conserve him? No, <laughs> you saw he won he he won the last two games of the Lakers series in the first quarter, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. So I think ride it, ride him, because he's clearly in a hot streak. See see how see how Denver is, yeah. uh, guards him. The Denver responds. Yeah. Said, right? They don't have guard uh, like their guard rotation's a bit weak right now. So yeah. I agree with you. I think I I agree. I think they run a lot of good actions for him anyway. I think I would just like be really aggressive with what he does get him looks early because if you can force Denver to rotate, then yep. that's great. Because especially because we know that Denver's base defense is an aggressive level. So yeah. almost to a hedge. Um, not quite. Sometimes they go to it, but because Jokic isn't a good rim protector and Gordon and Porter Jr. are kind of the more have more backline responsibility. So maybe you force them to change something and that plays into your favor. Because then it gets the rest of the guys involved. Maybe Aiton eats a little bit. Chris Paul can get involved a little more. Yeah, so might I agree. Be, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah. Play through Booker. Maybe, maybe as well. Try to try to get Jokic involved as much as possible on defense. So, not only to get him tired, but also to get Aiton, uh, Aiton and Aiton involved on offense, so he plays better defense <laughs> on the sure, other end. Sure. So yep. yeah, I think that's how they should they should scheme at the start and. Chris Paul, I mean, will probably try. Will probably manage that well. He's the point god for a reason. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, in terms of of managing, um, well, be- before we go to that, I think another big key is limiting fouls because mm. Denver was the twenty eighth in free throw rate. So, you know. Both teams are really low on free throw rates offensively. Like, neither gets the free throw line all that much. And that's going to be something that you stay with. Fewer, because both teams have an offensive player that could just destroy them. Yeah. So, limiting the fouls on that player, make it tough for them. Like, that's going to go both ways. That's going to be huge. From a fan's point of view, I didn't know that stat, so I think that's that's gonna make it a fun series because there's gonna be exactly, exactly. <laughs> no stoppages. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, there's no question that Jokic and Booker have pretty high individual free throw rates. Yeah, it's the rest of the guys. None of the none of the other guys get really fouled that much, which makes sense because considering the way they play, and especially that Jamal Murray's out and the way Chris Paul plays in his um, golden years, I'll say. Um, from a defensive standpoint. For the Suns, how how conservative should they play it? Because clearly Jokic is a good one-on-one player, but you also don't want to just leave Aiton in the dust. Like, do you think that they should be pretty conservative with, um, in general, or what, like what 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 would you do? I think they they I think they should they should play play conservative. I think um, to an extent where. It's mostly one-on-one because the, the Nuggets offense runs when Jokic is involving everyone and making his insane right. passes for layups. Yeah. Uh, and considering Jokic himself said Aiton plays, plays him well, uh, let's t- <laughs> let, yeah. let Aiton 
uh, see um take it on first uh then the only worry obviously is that playoff jitters <laughs> for the rookie but i mean no doubt, no doubt. It, doesn't, it doesn't get bigger than playing the lakers so this might be like a step down although this is the mvp so sure yeah. um but yeah i think no doubt. go go conservative i think to to start with but yeah, maybe just let yeah. Jokic eat. I, I, yeah, although it, I, might, it might screw with his confidence, though. So that's, that's the thing you might have to manage. That's fair. That's a good point. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I agree conservative because of Jokic's playmaking. Um, yeah. You really don't want to get the other Nuggets going. Because yeah, that's, exactly. that's doom for you. Um, now let's, let's move on to the Nuggets because, as we said, their pick-and-roll coverage is – Jokic a step above level like he's a pretty aggressive yeah because of his limitations as a rim protector now one of the one of the successes that the Lakers had against the Suns even though you could say well Chris Paul was injured but one of the things that the Lakers did well for most of it even towards the end they didn't do this well was take away Chris Paul's mid-range they were very very aggressive at taking away his spot and Chris Paul had to create some stuff that was a little tougher um can the Nuggets do that? Because you take Chris Paul out, that makes everyone's life harder. Yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think if the, Laker, if the Nuggets can do that as well as the Lakers did, particularly in, when, in, the, in the games they won. Uh, yeah. Because mm. I think like if you're thinking about if it's a Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton pick and roll, they don't need to change much. Because that will make Chris Paul drive and then snake. But that will just, like, yeah. If you can prevent him from snaking, that will be huge. Can Jokic, one, prevent him from snaking, but two, funnel Chris Paul to the rim. As, as weird as that is to say, there's a reason that only 5% of Chris Paul's shots come at the rim. Yeah, he doesn't have the majority of his shots are mid-range. Yeah, because he doesn't have the, the same athleticism I mean, he's what, 36, 37 years old, so it's exactly, not, not surprising. Exactly. Yeah, and then maybe the other card you play is you go the opposite way because the Nuggets' base defense is being aggressive. Yep. And then they rotate really well. The next, the next move they could make is, okay, we're not going to give you the rim. We're going to go under. Mm-hmm. Jokic is going to drop. Not total drop, like maybe a step behind level instead of a step ahead of level. Or is Chris Paul to pull up threes. <laughs> No yeah. wonder. Make him shoot. Make him, make him beat you that way so that he can't facilitate for others. Because if Chris Paul, until Chris Paul makes six pull up threes in a game, maybe that's the move. But something you save for later. Turn him into a scorer. I mean, he only, only averages 16 a game, right? What did he average against the Lakers? It wasn't a lot. Not a I lot. I mean, some of, it, that, some of that's from his injury, too. So yeah. we got to take that with a grain of salt. But um, he only had one double-digit game. Exactly. So he's averaging nine points in the playoffs so far. Grain of salt, but in, in the final game, Chris Paul only scored eight points. Yeah. Now he had 12 assists because he was dishing and doing what he usually does. He reads the defense very well, so there's only so much you can take away. But because Chris Paul doesn't finish at the rim as well, that's something you can take away from him. And because he's not quite a pull-up shooter from three – that's something you maybe take away from him. So it's going to be hard to take stuff away from Devin Booker. Devin yeah, Booker's too Devin, good. Devin Booker's going to have a series. Yeah, Devin Booker is going to be really good. I mean, as balanced as a player 
as much of a four-level score as you could, you could hope for. Some things here and there that he could continue to do better. His free throw rate is good, but it's not hard and good. But yeah. it's good. <laughs> hard is the best. Like, is he the best in the league? So. Oh, yeah. Him and Luca. Like, yeah. He's not at that level, but his shooting splits are fairly balanced. I mean, he shoots almost 70% at the rim, uh, 54% from 10 to 16, yeah. 45% long twos. The three-point percentage is a little low, but a lot of those are pull-ups. So he has the chance to go off. And, you know, de- containing Book is going to be tough. Maybe yeah. you contain the other guys and force them to beat you. That, maybe that's the play. Maybe you force Chris Paul in uncomfortable spots. Yeah, agree. Um, so it, might, it's like, it sounds like we might be just getting like a duel between oh, yeah. Jokic and Booker. Yeah, yeah for sure. For me, I think the bigger key is which, which player, Jokic or Booker, is going to force the other team's hand first. Mm. Who is going to make that initial adjustment? Because um, my guess, and I, I, I don't know, I obviously have no coaching experience, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how Malone and Monty Williams are as coaches, like in depth, how aggressive they are going to be with changes. And exploitation who can force the other team's hand first and get ahead in this series because i think this is gonna be a close series yeah um trying to think i I would think i would think Jokic might force the hand more just because he's so good (laughs) on offense uh i think so too i think so too like of course Jokic is the better offensive player Mm -hmm. the thing we have to think about is that booker has a great matchup yeah Right, like, can they force uh, Austin Rivers? Yeah, Yeah. no, no disrespect, but because Devin Booker is a six-eight guard, yep, that run that gets that can ISO, that can run off-ball screens, can run pick and roll. There's so much that Booker has in his bag. You can't take away everything. Yep. So that's tough. That's just tough. Rivers is a good defender, and Faku's a good defender, but they're giving up a lot. Like and what, if, a few, like few inches at least, and especially exactly. Faku. <laughs> yeah, and so if you can force the Nuggets to put Aaron Gordon on Booker early, then it's like, okay, this is game two or game three. We have maybe three or four more games. We can figure this out. Yeah. Right. On the on the flip side, Jokic scores fifty and the the Nuggets win, and maybe they're like, okay, now maybe we have to put Mikael Bridges in help. We have to put Chris Paul in help. Then you just open up Devin Booker in action. Exactly. Open things up. If you, whoever can force their hand first, like a big hand, to limit the number of adjustments they can make later in the series, that may be who, who takes this series. Okay. Uh, so I guess that kind of leads us right into prediction time. Right into prediction time. Who do you have? Because fuck, this is hard. This, this is one's hard. A- this one actually might be just like low key just as juicy as the Brooklyn Milwaukee. Oh, maybe it is, here it below is. Brooklyn Milwaukee. But uh, excitement wise, it will be just as good, I think. I agree. I agree. Uh, oof, this is going to be. I, I think it's definitely going seven. I think so too. I hope. I, hope I def- think so too. I, uh, as many seven, seven game series as possible, <laughs> just as a neutral. Um, yeah. I'm going to go. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go with Phoenix here. Phoenix and seven, yeah. just because they have the healthier team. I mean, 
healthier team. Yeah. Just because, like, yeah. not only, I mean, Denver's not only missing Murray, but I think Barton's also injured, right? Barton's injured and PJ Dozier's injured. So yeah. if you think about it, the Nuggets are playing without their three best guards. That's, that's crazy. No disrespect to Faku or Rivers, but then no disrespect to Monte Morris either, who played very well in the last series. Yeah, I think, I think there's a, like, this, this scenario, uh, I would think it means Aiton is able to contain Jokic somewhat. Yeah. Uh, as much as you can contain Jokic, but they're not forced to adjust so early. Yeah. So, but I mean, seven games, I'm sure that Jokic will have big games. For sure. So, but yeah, Phoenix yeah. and seven for me. Booker's I'm going to have a big series. <laughs> just to, I'm going to go with Denver and seven to be a little different from you. I think Ooh. the Nuggets will exploit Phoenix enough with Jokic to, to force their hand. I think there's enough that Jokic can do to make Aiton uncomfortable okay. and to force the Suns to do something. I think there's enough that they can take away from Chris Paul and force Booker to be a playmaker, I think. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, as I said, I won't be surprised if Denver wins this as well. I won't be surprised if Phoenix wins. I mean, it could, this is another series that could go either way, and it really just depends on who, who, make, who forces their hand first. Yeah, I hope they present Jokic for this MVP series, in the, uh, trophy in this series. That's yeah. going to be fun. Yeah. Then he drops like 50. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. And uh, maybe we talk about Utah or LA or Dallas sometime this week. I mean, that, that series is going to come to an end soon. So Sunday. Um, yeah, Sunday. So I'm so pissed it's at 3.30 a.m. Uh, I know, right? Philippines. Uh, man. But, you know, maybe. Really and watch. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely going to watch. Maybe we do an article. Who knows? We'll talk about it. We haven't planned that out yet. But um, that's about it. Do you have any, anything else to add before we wrap this up um, with our predictions? No. Uh, looking forward to the second round. Yes. Uh, this playoffs has been great so far. Uh, yes. But I'm really sad the Lakers and the Lakers are out. And the Celtics. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But I didn't expect much of the Celtics. But the Lakers being no, out for sure. sucks. For but sure. Still, still going to be a great, great playoff, I think. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. That's the crazy thing. Um, All these small markets have a chance to win. That's crazy. Yeah. The quality of teams are very good and quality of players. I mean, yes. I remember, I, I just randomly thought about this. I wrote down 11 names of players. It was guys ranging from, of course, LeBron and Steph and Jokic to Damian Lillard and Joel Embiid. I wrote down 11 or 12 names. I was like, just by virtue of the numbers, one of these guys is not a top 10 player. <laughs> like yeah, a guy I mean, of Damian Lillard's caliber is potentially not a top 10 player, not because of how good he is, but because of how good everyone is. And that's crazy. That's bonkers to me. Yeah, I feel like the top end talent's really good in the league right now. It's crazy. I think the, we're, we are getting into the, this is the best, era of basketball so far yeah big claim but just from a talent <laughs> perspective i mean you're gonna get the old heads never been this but yeah <laughs> i know but the league's never been this talented i mean 30 teams with legitimate players in each one of them yeah for sure so all right um 
All right, so I guess that's about it. Those are our predictions for the second uh, round. Three, three of the four matchups in the second round, and we'll we haven't decided on what we're gonna do for the the Utah series, whatever it is. We'll think about it. But hope you guys enjoyed. Who do you guys think is gonna come out of this round? And now that the Lakers are out, I mean, I had the Lakers winning the whole thing. Yeah, who's gonna win the t- title this year? There's so many question marks. Yeah, Let actually. I want to say, though, real quick, um, people are, some people are saying, like, oh, the playoffs are going to suck now because there's no LeBron. Those ah, guys yeah. are not real fans of basketball because there's still a lot of great teams yeah. and players still yeah. in the playoffs and a lot of great basketball to be, to be, to be watched. Yeah. So. Couldn't have said it better. There's, there's more to the NBA than LeBron and Steph, even though yep. the last 10 years, those two guys have been in every final. But still. <laughs> yeah. um, let us know your thoughts. Um, we are at Got Next Blog on Instagram and Twitter. Um, follow our, uh, our blog, gotnextsite.wordpress.com. We'll link that meniscus article yep. in the description of this pod uh, so you guys can kind of look at that. Um, we follow me on the basketball social media app, Hardwood Amino. On there, my name is Rafael, spelled R-A-F-A-E-L. With a Philippine flag after it. Um, because PH is spelled stupid. that way. Yes, because PH is stupid. <laughs> That's it for the show. Who's got next? Not the Not Lakers. The Lakers. <laughs> oh, that one, that one must have hurt. That one must hurt you real bad. Yeah, pathetic, pathetic game five and six. I know. <laughs>